Um, so we're going to look at a subject today which is uh, doesn't seem to fit in with uh, Palm Sunday, <laughs> but it's something that's been on my heart and mind, and it does fit in with the gospel, uh, and it's a, a Christ-centered message uh, because it comes from his word, and it really follows on from the really tragic event of that lady Sarah uh, Everard being murdered and the uh, concerns that have been raised that we've been reminded about and and so the title is a safe place for women and all and let's pray heavenly father we do pray that as we look at your word as we think of the events of a tragic loss of such a young life and lord we are reminded that these things go on lord in our country uh, lord in various ways where lives are ended unnecessarily uh, and where there's ill treatment of men and women and lord we pray that in the church there would be a safe place for women and for all and lord in our community lord that there would be uh, increasing safety and lord that as far as we can build a community of, of christians in fernwood that it would be a good example and a safe place for women and for all please help us now when we pray this in jesus name amen well i'm sure we'd agree that a woman should feel safe walking home at night and also that a man should feel safe walking home at night and i'm sure that we were all horrified to hear of a young woman who did try to walk home at night and very sadly and tragically was not safe and I'm not going to go into details on that, but many of us, I'm sure, would have wished to have been there to protect and uh, prevent harm. And I'm also sure that we're horrified to, to hear of young people, uh, particularly young men, but it's, it's young people, uh, victims of knife crime, needlessly, lives cruelly ended. And these tragedies, these evils are manifestations of human sinfulness that we see in our country and all around the world. And Basically, it's because we're rubbish at doing something that God said we should do, and that is to, to love God and to love each other, loving God and loving each other. Now, the basic answer and the solution to these and other many other heartbreaking evils in this world, awful realities that in, our, in our lives, is to go back really to how God made us, how God made us, made us to live. And that's uh, a key thing that uh, we, we need to do. And it's something, as I said, that we are, are basically being rubbish at. Jesus said this in Matthew 22. He said to, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul. And he said, it says this, this is the first and greatest commandment to love God. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. And so therefore, a nourishing, safe for all environment and the community hangs on these two commands, these two principles, loving God and loving each other. If society followed these commands, if it was built on these principles of love, then a young woman would be able to walk home late at night and a young man too, without fear. Women would feel secure and would feel respected. Now, of course, ultimately, the, the good news about Jesus is the answer. Jesus saves. Jesus forgives us. Jesus changes lives. Jesus forgives us for our lack of love for God and our love for each other. And not only forgiveness, but he, he changes and transforms individuals. Now, in 1 Peter 
chapter one and verse 18, we see here something of the, the transformation through what Jesus did for us. And it says there, for you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver and, or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world to be uh, but revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and glorified him. And so your faith and hope are in God. Now that you've purified yourselves by obeying the truth, so that you have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart. So we can see how believing on Jesus, who died for us to forgive us for our sins, who, who poured out his precious life's blood at, at the cross, through believing in him, we're forgiven, we are redeemed, and our lives are purified by the truth. And we go on then to have a sincere love for each other, to love each other deeply from the heart. Now, that's what happens uh, to Christians. The gospel is the answer to our failure to love God and to love each other. Now, we can't force our moral values on society. We're not taught, we shouldn't do that. We can recommend, we can demonstrate, and that's most important. And we can encourage good laws and good lawmaking and pray. We do have a role to influence our communities through non-coercive ways. So, for example, Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth and you are the light of the world. So we must not force our views on society, but we, we must not underestimate the value of the good influence of even a godly minority of, of people in a society. So be salty, be lighty and, uh, and, and be, be flavoursome and shine the light of the gospel in example and in word. So the gospel is the ultimate answer, and that's why we need to go out with the gospel. It's the gospel that changes individuals and makes a inroads into the transformation of communities. Now, we also need to be careful as Christians that we don't allow the world's attitudes and values to influence us. And so we need to look at tradition, culture, and what is biblical. So tradition, culture, and what is biblical. Now, when it comes to the way that women are treated and the title of this message is A Safe Place for Women and All. But thinking about women, when it comes to the way that women are treated, we need to differentiate between what the Bible actually teaches and what human traditions say. When it comes to see how men relate to women and how women see and relate to men, we need a ruthless rummage around in our hearts and our minds to see what our society has shaped our thinking and our attitudes to be as opposed to what is truly biblical, what is truly Bible teaching. So when it comes to marriage, for example, people in our society will criticise the traditional view of marriage, the idea of male headship as chauvinistic and misogynistic. And as Christians, we might leap to defend the traditional view. But we need to rummage around in our hearts and in our minds and our consciences to check them out, check them out with the Bible. Because some aspects of what we may have assumed are Bible essentials may not actually be biblical, maybe not even at all. And other aspects that we may have missed might be biblical. The traditional stereotype in some people's minds is that the man is the head of the home full stop. That's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that a man's headship is qualified. It is a gracious and a humble 
leadership. We think of how Jesus went into to Jerusalem, humbly riding on a donkey, not a war horse. It is a gracious and a humble headship. Husbands are to sacrificially love and lead and nurture their wives. Some men see marriage as a license to be bossy, but biblically, it's an opportunity to serve like Jesus. In Ephesians 5 verse 25, husbands love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Now, even some Christians who rightly hold to, to male leadership miss the grace, miss the humility, and miss the love of leadership. In the children's story, story we just we saw how Jesus washed the disciples' feet to teach them the kind of leadership that Christians should have and should practice. The reality is that, that women, of course, as well as men, can be bossy and manipulative, and so we need to face that reality. And the marriage bond does not give a man or a woman the right to behave badly within the marriage. You know, marriage is not a cage fight where the, the gate is locked, padlocked, and it's no rules fighting until either one or both come out dead. That's not marriage. That's not how men should treat women or women treat men for that matter. Bible headship comes with the essential assumption of grace and humility and tender love. Headship and submission is a gracious give and take. It's a dance of equals. It's not a master and a slave. Different roles, but spiritual equality and value. In 1 Peter uh, chapter 3 and verse 7, we see their husbands in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner. Now, that might uh, ring bells with uh, feminists, the weaker partner. <laughs> well, basically and generally, it's true that men physically stronger and stronger minded. Maybe you could say say other words for that. But uh, generally speaking, that's the that's the way. So men as the in some ways stronger, generally speaking. Don't throw your weight around. Don't manipulate emotionally or coerce physically. So treat your wives with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. Now, of course, the truth is that both men and women need to be gracious and both roles of leadership and to be led need love and humility. There's a give and take and both roles need graciousness. So we need to keep that in mind and to discern what is truly biblical and what is merely human traditions. And we need to be careful that we don't allow the ideas of the world to shape our thinking. Uh, we must not conform to the world's ideas. In Romans 12 verse uh, 2, it says there, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is is good and pleasing and perfect will. So we need to be careful of cultural influences and in the way that we relate in the initial thought, the way that we treat women. But of course, it works always. So we need to be careful of cultural influences that shape or try to shape our thinking and attitudes. Films, music, the arts, TV, social media, and so on. Now, we're supposed to be living in more enlightened times, aren't we? 
uh, we're supposed to be living in uh, modern, the modern era, but there's a lot of inconsistency to the protesting and cancel culture of our day. For example, listen, but don't listen to the lyrics in a lot of songs today. What do they say about sex? What do they say about women? What do they say about relationships? It's not good in many cases. Now, a former president of the United States was understandably criticized for some foolish and ugly things that he said about women. But young people around the world are plugged in 24 seven into pop culture, into music, which sings explicit words and promotes concepts that demean sex and objectify women. And they're listening to that, plugged into that. When it comes to the films and theater and the arts, we need to be cautious and listen and watch, if we do, with a discernment with a discerning mind. And we need to have that wisdom to see and resist the, the concepts and the attitudes that demean and objectify women. So we need to be aware of tradition, culture, and what is truly biblical, and not allow our minds to be conformed by the world. And then we also need to uh, recognize the principles of respect and responsibility. How can church, how can society become a place that is safe for women, for a woman to walk home late at night. Well, key principles of respect and responsibility are important. Now, I've often thought that if I was to start a political party, I would call it the Respect and Responsibility Party. Bit of a mouthful. But respect and responsibility are two key principles for any fair and free society and for good governance. And that's in, in my opinion. So I won't do a party political broadcast. So, uh, but I need to respect you, you need to respect me, I need to take responsibility, you need to take responsibility, key principles for a good and fair and free society where we can speak uh, freely, where we can debate and so on, uh, and where the poor and vulnerable are cared for and uh, people take responsibility for one and another. So broadcast over, but please do vote for me. Now, these are actually Bible principles, respect, and responsibility and in the local church we're to respect each other aren't we we're to love each other as we love ourselves jesus taught us that that's the kind of uh, relationships that we need and the kind of leadership that is needed in a church a servant leadership folk in the fellowship loving one another we need to step in to care for each other don't we we need to step in when we need to we also need to go as far as we possibly can to supply our own needs we don't sponge off each other so in Galatians chapter 6 uh, and verse 2, uh, we see there that the responsibilities to, to care and also the responsibilities to, to supply our own needs and to carry our own load. So we get the twin uh, ideas here. Carry each other's burdens, it says, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks they are something when they're not, they deceive themselves. Each one should test their own actions. Then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else for each one should carry their own load so there's a, a respect for each other's needs uh, a willingness to step in and to step up and there's also a responsibility to take to care but to be responsible not to freeload off others so these two principles of respect and responsibility and, and they of course follow on from loving each other as we love ourselves Love God with all your heart, mind and soul and love your neighbour as yourself and also to loving others as we love ourselves. These are key things. 
Uh, and these principles run through how different age groups within the church, how men and women relate to each other. And of course, all this fits in under the umbrella of the church as a safe place for women and for all. Now, in 1 Timothy, Paul is addressing how Timothy, the pastor at Ephesus, is to deal with different age groups and different genders in the church. In 1 Timothy 5, verse 2, that uh, Chris read to us earlier on, it says there, Do not rebuke an older man harshly, but exhort him as if he were your father. Treat younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, and younger women as sisters with absolute purity. And uh, depending on how you, you put the sentence the, 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 in the Greek, the end, what, what's put here at the end with absolute purity could refer to the whole of the sentence. So in the way that we deal with all age groups and genders, there needs to be that purity, that propriety. Now, the word respect here comes clearly to mind, doesn't it? How we are to relate to each other, how we are to treat each other. And it's the principle of respect for all. In 1 Peter 2, verse 17, we read, show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God. Honour the emperor. So to live lives worthy of respect and to show respect to all is an important aim. It's a biblical principle. We show respect to older men as we would to our father and to younger men as brothers. We show respect to older women as we would to our mothers. And we're to treat younger women like sisters and all with absolute purity, propriety. So the church is to be a safe place for all, with respect for all. In, the, in relation to the recent tragic event where a woman was not safe going home, we see that in the church family and church culture, women should undoubtedly feel very safe and very secure when we truly love and show respect and take responsibility. And it, it works in all ways, younger to older, older to younger, women to men, men to women, showing respect and taking responsibility to and for each other. Now, our society tends to demonise men, doesn't it, at the moment, certainly, and anything to do with male leadership in churches. Our society, despite modern thinking, I think still actually continues to present women in a sexualized way. And the emphasis is still on, on looks and image, isn't it? Sex still sells in adverts, and women still tend to be objectivized, even though with a bit more feistiness compared to the demure manner of years ago. And if we allow our thinking to be dominated by our society, by the media, by art, by some traditions, and also by our sinful desires, don't forget, if these dominate, then respect dies. And, and Christian self-control is part of our responsibility. Self-control means that we take responsibility to discern and we stay in charge of what we allow to shape our thinking, our attitudes and our behaviour. And in the church family, the way that we treat women is as mothers and sisters. We need to strive to see them as, as whole people, not just objects, not just uh, beautiful people uh, in, in image and looks. But I would say as princesses of King Jesus, there needs to be an awe. There needs to be a deep respect for women, young and old. Now, uh, I read or listened to uh, an audio book of uh, King Arthur and his knights, the legend of King Arthur and his knights. And uh, it's obviously um, not, it's, it's a legend. It's based on some kernels of, of truth. But one thing that struck me is the, the idea of the knights and the honour that uh, the good knights had, at least. And that is to 
stand up for and to fight for. Uh, say that they, there was a lady in distress, a damsel in distress, and they, they rescued them. They would pledge their devotion in a platonic way. No sex involved, but just simply as people who honoured that lady. And they would defend their honour. They would fight for their honour. They would die for their honour. So they would use their martial skills to protect. So whenever that lady called, whenever that damsel called in distress, they would rush to her side to help her. So yes, fantasy and uh, legend, but there's a concept there, isn't there? As, as Christian men, that we see the ladies in the fellowship as sisters, as princesses in Christ, princesses of King Jesus. And we as knights in the armor of God are willing to defend their honor, to respect them, to protect them and to stand up for them. And, and for all people in the church family, we need to see each other through Jesus. And this is a key thing. What I mean by that is that we see each other as ultimately belonging to Jesus, loved by Jesus, saved by Jesus. And if we touch, insult, respect or disrespect or ill-treat or care for, we are doing so to Jesus. And so therefore, if we see each other in that way, that helps us to see each other as, as whole people in Christ rather than the people to objective lives. In Galatians 3 and uh, verse 26, the Apostle Paul writes there, So in Christ Jesus you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptised into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, neither is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. That doesn't mean that uh, we, we ignore the fact that there's a differentiation between male and female, but, but spiritually speaking, we're in the same category. We're all one in Christ Jesus, and we are in Christ. And if we see each other as in Christ, in our Saviour, who loved and died for each of us, it puts a different perspective on how we, we view people, how we see people. Now, of course, if we're single, if we're attracted to someone else who's single, that's not wrong. It's good and it's normal. But the way we go about interacting with that person, possibly getting to know them, needs to be shaped by true Christian love, with respect and responsibility to them and for them. And we also need to face the reality that whether we're single or not, that being, finding ourselves attracted to someone, finding ourselves admiring someone is not wrong. And it's not in itself something that is sinful, but it's where we go with that. And uh, I would suggest that as, as a Christian brother or Christian brothers to Christian sisters and vice versa, that we, we recognize boundaries and that we, we, we love in that way, seeing them as sisters in Christ, princesses of the King, and that we are knights in the armor of God who are willing to, to stand for their honor, to fight for their honor and to show respect in that way. So it's, it's important to, to recognize that we, we do at times struggle with, with feelings, with sexual temptations, with attractions. And these things, uh, in a sense, we, we can't help the initial thought or the initial feeling, but it's what we do with it. It's where we go with it. And that's where we need to take responsibility and to show respect and to see folk as in Christ. Well, the last thing I'd like us to focus on is to see how Jesus loved women, how Jesus loved women. One of the most lovely accounts in the Bible is how Jesus responds to a lady, a lady who had in Luke 7 a bad reputation. And she crashes a meal and just stands there weeping repentance and love and devotion to Jesus. She pours out 
her devotion to him. The tears wet his feet. She wipes them with her hair. She anoints his feet with kind of a, a, a lovely perfume. She kisses his feet. And some of the men, including the host and a Pharisee called Simon, are disgusted by this, this woman. Maybe uncomfortable about the situation. Maybe secretly wishing, to be honest, that she was kissing their feet. Maybe some of them are frustrated by the fact that her beauty to them is unattainable and that they're out of her league. Maybe some of them have had encounters with her in the past. But Jesus is lovely to this woman and respects her. He speaks up for her. He's like that knight in shining armour. He honours her as a human being and he forgives all her sins. And she goes on away in peace. Luke 7 verse 44. Jesus turned to the woman. And let's just point out the fact that woman here, the word that Jesus uses uh, uh, is a, a term of respect. It's not woman. It's dear woman or ma'am or something like that. Jesus turned to the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this dear woman from the time I entered was not, has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not pour oil on my head, but she has poured perfume, perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. People can forget that although Jesus had 12 male apostles, there were women on his discipleship team as well. You read that in Luke 8. And the Gospels themselves, the very tone and tenor of the Gospel accounts, portray women as the faithful ones. We're going to come to that a bit more next week as we think about the, the resurrection account. The, the ones who were there to present support to Jesus at the cross. It was, by and large, the women. The first to witness the re resurrection were the women. The first to believe were the women. Now, the typical male Jew of the time considered women to be a necessary evil. They had their uses, but, but we can see that the gospel writers who'd spent time with Jesus, they were Jews themselves. It's a, a Jewish account. Uh, and they record their accounts. They present women in a positive light at their own expense. They put themselves across as the, the ones who are slower to believe. And, and more foolish. It shows just how their three years with Jesus has developed their attitude to women, bringing women to the fore and with a respect and men with a responsibility towards them, to, to love and to cherish them. The Apostle Paul writes later, there is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. So there is spiritual equality and Spirit, uh, equal respect to be given to women as well as men. The Apostle Paul highly values the contribution of women in the churches, mentioning a number of them by name, for example, at the end of the letter to the Roman church, and it shows how he values their work and their ministry. There are different genders, there are different roles. There is male leadership presented to us and taught to us in the Bible, in the church and in the home. But men and women have spiritual equality and need respect. Women need to be respected and to be cherished.
and respect and honour needs to flow always, we know. And if that is the case, then we can be assured and encouraged that the church and, the, and Christian homes will be a safe place for women and for all. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we bring to you the, the grieving parents, the grieving family of Sarah Everard, and we bring to you, Lord, the grieving hearts of, of parents and grandparents, many a young person, or, or even not so young, who've suffered at the hands of murderers, of uh, gangs, of, from knife crime, and Lord, the sadness that we see in our world. We see how that women are, even in so-called enlightened times, are objectivized and demeaned. And Lord God, we bring to you our sadness and grief at this, this sin against fellow human beings. But we, Father, we pray that in our homes, that in our church, that is ultimately your church, that there would be a true love and respect, a gentleness, even in leadership, a humility and a graciousness in headship. And Father, that women in our fellowship would feel themselves safe and secure as respected sisters, as respected mothers, as respected fellow believers in Christ, all one in Christ Jesus. So please protect us from worldly influences, protect our children growing up from the music and the, the, the words and the portrayal of women in films and so on. Protect them from the negative influences and help them, Lord, to see women with that respect and help Christian girls growing up in homes to see themselves as one in Christ with, with their brothers. And again, may they feel and know that respect and that love from one and another. So we pray, shape us, Lord, to, according to your Bible, not according to the values of this world. And we thank you, Lord Jesus, for your servant leadership, even for the way that you went into Jerusalem on that Palm Sunday many years ago. We ask for your help to put these things into practice in our homes and in our church. In Jesus' name. Amen.